The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecastersnetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Hello, and welcome to Lucas Lectures, hosted by the big fish himself, veteran Lucas. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's topic. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Lucas Lecture. It is me, Veteran Lucas. Hope you guys are having a fantastic day or night, wherever you are, enjoying this winter weather, because somebody has to, and it's not me. I'll be honest, I despise cold weather. I love the Christmas season. I love the hope and the joy and the food, but man, do I despise cold weather. I really should move to Australia next time I zip across the planet. They're always having those sunny Christmases, thanks to the equator. Anywho... Today, I kind of want to bring up that we are about a month out from Pokemon Legends. Let's go. Oh my god, I am so excited. We are almost there. We are going to get oh, basically a new game altogether with a completely different style. We're going to get a completely different group of characters. We're going to have completely new Pokemon. And that last part is one I want to discuss. I want to discuss some of those new Pokemon variants, especially after the latest Voltorb reveal. That thing is adorable and terrifying. We'll talk about it more once we know more about it. But today, I specifically wanted to talk about regional variants because it has been four years and some change since we've been doing this podcast. And the last time we talked about variants, specifically what they were, was episode uh, two. It's been a while. So today, we are going to be going over what exactly these variants are. These Pokemon have been popping up since Alola, and I love going over what exactly they are in comparison to our world. So today, we'll talk about where the regional forms come from, where they are found in our world, how they occur in our world. And after that, I'll list some Pokemon that kind of deserve to get regional variants for at least four different reasons. And there are a couple of other Pokemon included in that group, but there are four specifically I see that deserve a chance to go ahead and get their own new form. Keep in mind as well, I am going to not be doing Legends. I know Legendaries are not off the table anymore for regional variants, but I kind of want to keep it, you know catchable and easy for anybody to use that sort of thing uh the only one that is never getting a regional variant in one of these episodes is charizard love that orange boy to death but he gets so much overexposure he he doesn't need it anymore he can he can rest the definition of a regional variant according to bulbapedia is an alternate form of a pokemon species found in a specific region when they first came out with alola we were floored Like us at the podcast, me and Matt at the time, we were just like, oh my god, coolest thing ever. I literally told all my non-Pokemon loving co-workers about it, but I don't think they could truly appreciate it. I think that's one of the reasons I started this whole thing. Anywho, uh, the concept of a species changing over time so that it separates and branches off in the original is not exactly a foreign concept to us. For those of you listening, most of you are probably aware of evolution and how organisms change and adapt over time. But this is something to consider as it is the foundation of how life began and continues to grow in our world. We went from one type of single-celled organism swirling around in primordial soup, and then it split off into billions of species that span over billions of years. 
in nature, a species can become two separate species when you get two groups that become too genetically different to breed and have healthy offspring. Now, when I say that, some people like to point out things like uh, growler bears, so polar bear and grizzly bears, or ligers, liger and tiger hybrids, to say, is that a new species? And the answer is no, because they cannot produce healthy, viable offspring. So they're not technically a new species. They're just, they're close enough to produce an offspring, but not technically a healthy offspring because you can't get a bunch of ligers, which is a, a little bit reassuring and a little bit sad because ligers are cool, but also ligers are terrifying. Same with the growler bears. Now, these changes can occur in any number of ways when it comes to getting a different species. Uh, for starters, you can just have good old-fashioned natural selection for a trait. Uh, you can have mutations that benefit an individual. Those are actually pretty rare uh, because a lot of times when you say, oh, I got a mutation, it's not like a mutation of like, oh, I got an wings. Fantastic. Most mutations are usually cancerous or detrimental or not going to do anything. But if you get a mutation like, oh, huh, I can digest this food more efficiently than I could before. That kind of mutation can have drastic consequences for an animal and allow it to kind of split off and it's doing its own thing. Another way you can get these species to form is to have them be split up, uh, physically speaking. If there's a flood or an earthquake or a group gets separated on an island somewhere, then these organisms are going to have a chance to change over time because they might have different conditions set. If I were to cause an earthquake that created the canyon splitting up two squirrel species, one species might adapt to only the trees on one side of the canyon. The other squirrels might adapt to another kind of food or a new predator on the other. And over time, you would get that speciation. Now, this is not always the case. You can't just put two organisms on two different plates and expect them to completely change over time. What can happen is something like a cattle egret. So if you've never seen a cattle egret, they're little white birds that get yellow troughs of feathers on the tops of their head during mating season. You see them all the time down south in Florida and Texas, especially around cattle. That's where they got the name. They follow large animals to go ahead and collect any bugs that they disturb. You also find them in Africa and in Asia and in parts of Europe. They span wide, wide ranges, but they've never adapted because they've never really found a need to. They don't need to evolve or change much more than they already have. Fantastically common birds, but I do love them to death. They're, they're not scared of walking near rhinos, and that's something I love about them. There's no fear in them. Now, aside from changes in the environment, you're also going to need time. You cannot just separate two species or cause a mutation in one generation and expect it to be, boom, new species, ta-da, you are going to have to wait a while. According to a paper uh, written by Andrew P. Hendry, it takes roughly between 20 and 200 generations for there to be speciation. Now, this is pretty general because this list also included things like plants, invertebrates, vertebrates, uh, fish, birds. It's again, takes time depending on what you're dealing with. Just like when you're dealing with something like extinction, every species is different. There is no big mass template on how to get a different species. It just happens when it happens, and there's a lot of variables that go into it. And most people assume that when you get a new species, it's going to be like Pokemon, where it's ridiculously drastic, where it's just, oh, this Vulpix breeds ice now instead of fire. What is going on? 
to be honest, it would probably be something pretty small, like the coloration or a bit of size difference. They just would not be able to produce healthy offspring anymore. So uh, that's a new species. Congratulations. Now, as far as Pokemon go, Pokemon did a fantastic job with this in Alola. And the reason they started with Alola was because it's an island region. Being an island means that you can just kind of sequester a bunch of random creatures there. And they're going to adapt to that specific island climate. That's something we brought up in episode two as well, where there's various animals and other things that live on islands like Hawaii or any of the uh, Fiji or any major island system that only exists there. And if they die there, they die forever. They're very small contained organisms. But as we've seen in Galar, they can also appear in larger regions. And as we are now seeing in the Hisui region, they can appear on entire continents. What's cool about the Hisui region and you know, whatever if you look at a big old map of it, the top is frozen solid. You have to be very specific to survive up there. If you go down south, it's all blocked off by mountain ranges. It's perfect for having an incubator, a test tube for a bunch of different Pokemon to live. Can Pokemon cross the mountains? Of course they can. But it does mean that it limits the amount of organisms that are going to be shuffling through, meaning you are reducing the number of different genes that are coming through as well. It's really, really cool. Now, for Pokemon, I think, deserve regional variants. There are four. Just going to go with four because these four each represent different kinds of Pokemon that could get variants for different reasons. Uh, let's start with uh, Mudbray. So Mudbray was introduced back in the Alolan region, and the thing that caught my eye when I was reading its Pokedex was that it used to be super popular in other regions, but then they were wiped out by human behavior. You know that song and dance? We know it quite too well in this podcast. Now, with Mudbray having lived in all these other regions, we can add some variants to that no problem, especially with the history region being in the past. You can make all kinds of evolutions or different types for it. Uh, with Mudbray, uh, there also are a few Pokemon like it, like Lapras and Sharpedo, that were hunted for a long time. Mudbray represents the extinct version of the breed. I would love to see that in Pokemon where we bring back certain organisms that have been lost to time through ways like the Legend series. I would love to see a different kind of Sharpedo. Think of a Sharpedo that's not a dark type but a fairy type and it's just like a whale shark. Think of a Lapras that's the reverse, a Lapras that comes from a much harsher, harsher climate, one of the first ones that was hunted, and this thing is just nothing but anger and teeth. Think like a real plesiosaur. Think like a true dinosaur monster. So if I was going to pick a horse for Mudbray to be based off from now on, the regional variant would be based on the Pretzwalski's horse. The Pretzwalski's horse was found in the fields and plains of Mongolia. They were almost extinct too, but humans actually brought them back. That also connects to Pokemon, how a lot of these organisms that were endangered in the Pokemon world are now doing better thanks to human help. These real-life horses were once considered to be the only true wild horses left on Earth. Compare it to something like a Mustang, where Mustangs were bred for human use, then they went feral again. These guys were just always feral horses. It took a literal collective breeding program and a cloning to get them at least to the endangered species list. They weren't even endangered. They were just extinct. These animals are a fantastic recovery story. I would love to see them get brought up. If you need to think of what they look like, think of the horses that Sean Yu rode in Mulan. Those guys. I would love something like that. Absolutely terrifying. 
The next one I would love to see, Ludicolo. Now, the low tad line is not hated. It is love. Ludicolo is not only a fantastic rain team mon, but he also just has this energy and he dances around. He's having a good time. We're all having a good time. I love his little hat. He's fantastic. But Ludicolo is a great example of a Pokemon that represents culture. More so than whatever duck creature he's also based on. Ludicolo is a Pokemon that teaches us about the culture of a unique area. It gives us a really cool way to kind of add that to a new region. If we're going to have more of these cultural variants, I would say have Ludicolo come up with some new dance moves. In whatever region he goes to, hopefully Brazil, uh, we give him some Samba steps. If he's going to India, give him that Bollywood feel. If he's going to Russia, give him some of those weird steps. Uh, if we end up somewhere like Australia, he can even pick up some of the Aborigines people's dance moves. There's tons of things you can do with that. Uh, the other Pokemon I would love to see kind of fit that, that cultural chain strategy would be Aegislash. Look me in the eyes and tell me in Viking Aegislash with an axe instead of a sword and a big old Viking shield would not be the coolest thing ever. And we know that Vikings exist. Berserker proves it. We could totally do it. Now, the next one, the next group aren't really cultural or endangered. They're just not represented well for the group of animals they're based on. I hate Durant's design. I've hated it since we've started this podcast. I will continue to hate its design. It's too simple. I hate it. I hate it. Repeating it does not make it feel better for me, but it, okay, maybe a little bit. I hate it. 13,000 estimated species of ants, and you pick the blandest, most basic one to represent them. On one hand, I get it. If you're going to represent all ants, you might as well have like just one. But if you're going to represent all ants, you could have also picked the cooler ones. Durant represents all the Pokemon that come from these wildly large group of animals that are underrepresented in the game. Uh, Sharpedo, go again. We only have like one shark when there's 300 species of these cool creatures. Uh, Krabby, think of all the jokes about crabs we have about them constantly evolving. Uh, Spinarak, oh, Spinarak also fits this really, really well. Uh, someone on Twitter mentioned that Durant could actually make a pretty cool fire type. You know, be a fire ant, that'd be really cool. Because not only would it be based on a real ant that is tough to kill, but it would stand up to heat more. So it would have evolved to deal with it, speciating to survive a natural change. Huh? Huh? See how that works? See how that works? Pokemon do see how that works. Uh, for Spinarak, I would love to see them just go crazy. Represent the craziest, scariest spider. I'm thinking Pelican Spider, because we already got a spitting spider with Ariados, but let's get the crazy going. Pelican Spiders are like 40% fang. Their head stands up, their fangs point out, they are crazy. If you've never looked up a Pelican Spider before, and you are not arachnophobic, look it up. It is amazing. It is literally built to hunt other spiders. I think Spinarak could be like the Eevee of spider types. The way that... Uh, Meowth is kind of like, oh, here's a cat for every region. No, no, no. Give me Spinarak, but it's just the spider for all these different regions. Spiders are everywhere. You can't escape them. The last group I kind of want to talk about, uh, I actually want to talk about Absol. Absol's design slaps. It requires no change whatsoever. There's no need to change it if Pokemon doesn't want to. The reason I want to bring up a variant of it, I kind of want to bring about positivity. 
Remember the first one was about endangered species. I want to bring stories about humans making up for what they've done. Because I think that sort of positivity is what we need. We all know full well that humanity can be a jerk. And that's something we should always remember. But if you just go about your whole life saying humans are trash, humans are bad, humans don't change, you're not actually going to change anything. You're just wallowing in the mud when you need to pull yourself out of it. With Absol, the reason it's considered a dark type is because people hate it. People think it's a monster, but it's just trying to help. What if, in another region, Absol was seen by these people as a hero? What if the goodwill and kindness of the people around it, treating it almost like a revered guardian or deity, changed its typing to be a fighting type, or a fairy type, or a steel type, or a normal type, or whatever, because humans changed. Humans saw it as something better, and that feeling, that belief, changed it. Like a, Think of it like Frosty the Snowman. A funny thing happened that day. Something in that magic hat, just all the good feelings of the children made it come to life. Pokemon has done weirder stuff. Remember the Raichu and Alola and the pancakes? I consider that weirder than what I'm suggesting. Does it turn to a fighting or fairy? Who knows? But I would love to see Pokemon like Absol get that treatment. Kafagrigus already has one, I admit. He got his own new variant. But getting these Pokemon that were seen as evil to go into a lighter type because of the kindness of strangers, well, that's a little streetcar of desire. But the point is, I think that would be really cool to see that, that positivity. What? Wherever Pokemon goes next, I hope that these kinds of regional variants do pop up again. I'm super excited for the Voltorb that just came out. That is so going on my team because it is based on a dynamite tree. That's all I'm going to say because the dynamite tree is really cool. We'll talk about it more when it actually comes out. For now, I will leave you guys with my thoughts. If you guys have any comments or any regional variants you would love to see in this next region, please let me know. I'm always here. I'm always listening. Twitter and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day or night. We will see you guys on the next episode. Peace. Peace.